this week's Three Legs Four Wheels F1 podcast. It's Paul here with Sean, Chris, and Lee. How are we all doing after a Spanish Grand Prix that uh, wasn't dull? Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, it was all right, wasn't it? It was uh, not too bad for a change. We'll be, I, I don't, don't get me wrong, I don't think we'll be talking about it for years. Probably not, but how many other Spanish Grand Prix have we talked about for years? Just mm. the one where Rosberg and, and Hamilton had that crash and Verstappen won his first race. So that's five years and counting? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm a reverse of last week because I couldn't understand why everyone was saying last week was a bad race. And I thought this weekend was like thoroughly boring, but barring a couple of good, like a couple of moves. I think it's one of those, isn't it, where it's it's better than a normal Spanish Grand Prix, but a normal Spanish Grand Prix is quite dull. So over the course of a season, how yeah. well we'll be thinking about this one, I don't know, but yeah, I, it held my attention. Yeah, same here. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't feel the imminent desire for a nap between laps ten and fifty. So I I fought sleep. I did. I, I, de- I definitely nodded off at one point. I blame that on your tiredness then, because <laughs> I mean, there was there was pretty much uh, it was uncertain who was going to win that race right up until probably about seven laps to go. See, I, as soon as the strategy sort of wound up where it was, I thought it was a foregone conclusion. I I, I, did, I didn't see even when even when he came out twenty two seconds behind, I thought there is absolutely no way he's not winning this race. Yeah, but and I think there's no such thing as a foregone conclusion in any kind of motorsport. It's very easy for something to go wrong. And I was very confused because I went to the loo thinking, it, oh, Hamilton's just reeling in Verstappen here, I'll go now. And when I get back, it'll just be getting to the point where Hamilton has caught Verstappen. And then he's suddenly 20 seconds behind and I didn't have a fucking clue why. <laughs> so that was fun. I mean, there are a couple of foregone conclusions in motor racing. There will be yellow flags in um, NASCAR and IndyCar oval races. And Mazepin will spin. Only the once this weekend, I think. Yeah, he was well behaved. I think he only he only went in FP one. I think so. I think so. Yeah, but it was a it was a fairly impressive spin, wasn't it? If you're gonna do it, you might as well get into it. Yeah, do do, <laughs> do it with style. I mean, you know, it's one of you know you're in Spain, home of the bullfighters, and they have impressive spins when yeah. they're bullfighting. Good and elaborate, and yeah, yeah. All, all he needed was a red and yellow cape, and he was sorted. Another point on his license as well, isn't there for the for the shenanigans in qualifying? Yes, I think he did. Yes. Yeah, he's um, he's he's not making friends on uh, on Saturday afternoons, is he? No, overtook a load of cars and then blocked a load. <laughs> wasn't ideal was it no <laughs> i mean don't forget he's still he's still got a long way to go before um he achieves the uh the points in a weekend record <laughs> which all <laughs> oh, right that, that was in f2 but it was it was our lord and savior mahiva raganathan with nine in one race well i think if there's any man that's up to the task it might just be him <laughs> <laughs> Right. See, see, I think that there's been enough time now. There's been enough time passed to cast judgment without it being reactionary to other elements, and it's just not looking good, is it? From a Zeppelin, no, definitely yeah. not. Uh, <laughs> no. And the, the worst thing is, as well, like because I, I was trying to work this out. Do you think that he that if you'd have stuck Lance Stroll in a car as bad as the Haas? He would have done as bad as Mazepin. No, I think he'd be ahead of Mick Schumacher. 
No, I, I think he'd be as bad as Mazepin. I, I think he's just you, had time. Imagine putting Mazepin and Stroll in a car as bad as the Haas. It's fucked together. It? Absolutely fucked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, like that's. I, I think Stroll's just had the time to become a average Formula One driver. Um, and I think Mazepin is going to get exactly the same type of time. No, I don't think so. I do, because his family's going to buy the team. Yeah, I still don't think he'll be able to hold on to that seat so much. Who's, even if his dad bu- buys the team. I was going to say, who's buying the seat off him? Yeah, even if his dad buys the team, I don't think it guarantees him a seat. I think there'll be other pressures because he's he's nowhere. He doesn't even have the pedigree coming up from the junior formulas that Lance Stroll was able to say, well, I won a Formula 3 championship. Yeah, I think yeah. it's easy to forget how crashy... Lance Stroll was when when from when he started. Oh, up no, he was very Canada. crashy. Yeah, up until Canada, he was shocking, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do, I do, I, I think they're very, they're very similar animals in that respect. I don't, Lance Stroll I don't think, though, is just further forward. I don't, I don't think though it's that Mazepin's crashy. He's slow in a slow car. Yeah, well, yeah, but he is. He does t- seem to be. Um, he's the slowest driver on the grid and the slowest car on the grid. I think he'll be dangerous if he's got a quicker car, or maybe not dangerous, but you think it'd be crashier? maybe he, if he's around people. Yeah. You know, like Grosjean, <laughs> when when it seemed to be every every start to every race, Grosjean was trying to at least kill a world champion. Um, <laughs> sometimes two, sometimes two, <laughs> on on a good day with a real run up to it. Um, yeah, I think it's just where he is. He's got he's got nobody to crash with, so any crash he has, he's got to have on his own. <laughs> I mean, that's a good theory for why he spins so much, I guess. Yeah, keep it interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, there was, there was nobody else to take out. I'd finish blocking everyone and let them all pass. Have we sort of naturally transitioned into talking about Haas here? They were, technically speaking, the worst team in the race. Yes. Um, they also had the worst pit stop. Yes. Mick. Yes. Um, so do we now? Well, hang on, hang on. They had the, they did, was it as bad as Giovinazzi's where they realised the tyre wasn't inflated? No one nearly got f- splattered during Giovinazzi's pit stop. And no, now, but, now but we... he did sit there for three years <laughs> before he, he was allowed to move. I think he could have got out the car, gone and raided Kimi Raikkonen's ice cream freezer, eaten an ice lolly, got back in the car, and they'd still have been doing up the the nuts. Possibly. Yeah, but of course we now we now have the new name for uh, the Haas driver that isn't Mazepin, Mick Crutwater. Mm. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> Gonna get tweets about that one. Um, yeah, I think I think we, we are talking about Haas for what uh, for what they deserve. They they were at the event. They were. You cannot deny they were there. Yep, they they were definitely in Spain this weekend, and they put two cars out on track. Yeah, it's worth pointing out as well that Mazepin also got a three-place penalty grid drop for for that qualifying shenanigans, which dropped him from 20th to 20th. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's got more license points than championship points. To be yes. fair, I don't think he's alone there. <laughs> In his career? <laughs> but yeah, Haas were... Um, Exactly where we expected him to be, right at the back. No development on the car. No hope. 
are we going to see them um, outside 107% at some point this season if they're not going to do anything with that car? Another Risky, thing. actually. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think so. I wouldn't uh, be surprised on a faster circuit, you know, like a... Spa, spa or like, a Monza. Yeah. So, oh, like, yeah, I was thinking like a long circuit. Maybe mm. even Baku. Only because um, the, the, the rate of development won't be the same for the other teams as a normal year. But there'll be some development. Haas have said they're doing no development. How how far away from it are they right now? How how much would they have to drop? Oh, you're 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 asking you're asking <laughs> <Do maths>. questions. <laughs> do maths quickly. Uh, okay, do, do, let do, me do the maths. I will. <laughs> I, everybody else carry on talking. Because the um the the grid is even even though they're they're well at the back and mm. well well at the back, they're still not like Marussia or Hispania. Not yet. No, no, but I, I don't. I don't think they can drop that much. Surely, um, it was. I mean, it's not that bad at the moment. The um, the cut off time for Q one this week was one minute twenty three point two, and Mazepin was one nineteen point eight. Yeah, and because don't forget, I mean, Mick so, yeah, Schumacher, three and a half seconds. That's more than enough. You should be all yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. Mick Schumacher's been saying that on the right circuits, they think they might be able to scrape a Q three at one point. So, you know, it's, I, I don't think they're going to go from just trying to scrape a Q3 to all of a sudden not being allowed to race. Has he got head injuries rather than just causing them? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe skied. <laughs> too si- no, I'm saying that way too much lately. Then, then again, it usually <laughs> crops up that I have to say it way too much lately. <laughs> it's not too soon. 2013 was eight years ago now. Oh, my God. <laughs> Should we move on to Williams? Aye. Uh, Latifi in 16th and Russell in 14th. Thought George was going to be on the verge of getting points this time. He was running He was running 11th at one point. He was in DRS range of Alonso and his tyres just fell off. Yeah. He suffered, didn't he, with the tyre tire cliff. Mm-hmm. And, and went back. He still finished two places ahead of his teammate. But yeah, he, was, uh, he lost his points position to Lando Norris, I think, mm-hmm. after Lando was on fresher tyres. And then, yeah, just just slid backwards in the last sort of five, six laps. But we, <clears throat> we say this every time, but Williams are definitely looking better than they have been for the last couple of years. The, yeah. fact, that, the fact that Latifi needed a third stop and they left Russell out because of what his track position shows that they were actually thinking about getting a points finish rather than just, oh, let's just get the car home. Yeah. They actually thought, no, we'll leave him out. He might get points. Yeah, and um, it was good to see Simon Roberts on the Sky coverage all weekend. Seems all right, doesn't he? I've not heard him speak before. But, uh, yeah, he seems to um, he seems to have a fairly good handle on um, what needs to be done and how things are going to improve. A little bit of enthusiasm, you might say, in the Williams team. Because let's be honest, like a, a result of 14th and 16th, okay, in 2021, that's not really anything to write home about. A couple of years ago, they'd have fucking celebrated like they won the World Cup if they got that. Mm. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> while we're on the subject of Williams, though, they are running a competition this week. Uh, One hundred fans will get their uh, get their name on the uh, and a personalised race number on the car with the first race where you the number being the first race where you became a Williams fan. So you find out which race you first saw Williams in or became a fan of them in, and you answer the competition by putting in your name, your email address, and then you choose your country. I would just like to point out, if there's anyone from Williams listening, we are not on the island of man. (laughs) (laughs) 
Which is on the list of countries which which you could choose where you live. Yes. I just went with UK because I didn't even bother looking for the Isle of Man. (laughs) Well, it turns out it wasn't there. (laughs) (laughs) I think this... Does this mean we get to create a new anthem for the Island of Man? I think we should we should we should write one. Although I want to know what the, where the Heard and McDonald Islands are. Sounds Canadian. That's that's on that's on the list. It's a country apparently. Anyone anyone fancy a quick Google? I am looking it up as we speak. Heard with a U or an E? E A R D as in listened. Yeah, the the Heard and McDonald Islands. I want to say New Zealand. It's, it sounds like... It is an uh, Australian external territory comprising a volcanic group of mostly barren Antarctic islands. It's about so no one lives there, then? No, it is about two-thirds of the way from Madagascar <laughs> to Antarctica. So, basically, they can, get a, they can get the name of an uninhabited island group right, but they can't get the name of the Isle of Man. It that... is uninhabited. The world capital mm. of road racing. But they... might have Williams fans, apparently. <laughs> Isn't it, like... Isn't that there's there's a nod to inclusivity, isn't there? <laughs> when you can when you can enter a competition from an uninhabited island. Yeah. <laughs> the islands are among the most remote places on earth. Oh, I mean they've got God. they've got South Georgia, South Georgia, and the South Sandwich Islands there, which has a population of nineteen during the winter. Yeah, but all the Brits are going there on the piss, aren't they? Now but that, but now it's now it's on the green list for British travel. That's going to become the new Club eighteen thirty destination. <laughs> <laughs> One of the main um, types of wildlife listed in the Heard and McDonald Islands is algae. Okay. Uh, and two Malaysia Airlines planes. <laughs> Very possibly. <laughs> uh, it'll only disturb the penguins. Probably. I'm assuming, I'm assuming any, they've yeah. got penguins if it's on the way to the Antarctic. Uh, they've, got, they've got seals, apparently. I haven't got as far as any penguins. Maybe that was the setting for Yeti Sports. Yeti oh, yeah, no, they've got penguins. They've got penguins. Found them. There we go. So, so peng- penguins are Williams fans, then. Yes. Not ju- not just the Williams duck. Back to the race. <laughs> um. Yeah. Um, <laughs> not re- not really much more to say about Williams. We talked about the Herd and McDonald Islands more than we've been able to say about Williams. Um. Yeah. Well, the Williams have talked about the Herd and McDonald Islands more than they've talked about us. So about the back Isle of Man, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> so Alfa Romeo then. <laughs> The pit yeah, stop. Strange one, yeah. The pit stop. You know, like, like we just said, Giovinazzi could have probably uh, applied for a visa to go on holiday somewhere, and you know, made sure that his test went to a his COVID test went to a lab and came back negative before he was <laughs> able to set off in the car. Mm-hmm. And of course, one of the pit crew who was um, responsible for uh, for getting the tires out came out with the ultimate mechanics response. It was fine when we left it there. Yeah, right. yeah. So somebody's walked along with a little like needle and just fucking popped it as uh, as they've been walking past. Mm. But the, uh, in all fairness to Alfa Romeo, it was better that they did that yeah. than sent him out with a wheel with no with a tire with no air in it, and he had to come back in again the next lap, or maybe not make it round the full lap. I mean that that's the kind of thing that Haas would have done if they were running in the points. Yes, it would have made for good mm. Netflix. <laughs> I feel that like, uh, Alfa Romeo's like potential pace and deflated are uh, are words that go well together. 
because they, they they just don't seem to be showing anything that we thought they had. Yeah, because Giovinazzi qualified better than Raikkonen and then obviously got shafted by the pit stop. Raikkonen qualified poorly, but actually looked quite good in the race. Well, I mean, Giovinazzi was doubly shafted because um, uh, because he came out the pits under the safety car. He had to stick to the safety car delta, even even though he was in a different postcode to the rest of the pack. So I think it was something like six sec- still six seconds behind by mm, the time Jesus. by the time they went green again. So you'd have, you'd have thought they'd have let him catch the pack up, mm. which now apparently the FIA are looking at when there's when there's no reason to restrict everybody's speed if they're on a completely different part of the track because the idea of the safety car is to bring the pack together. So whatever's going on on track has got long a longer gap to be cleared. Mm. So it did. It did seem that it was shafted by the tire and by the rules. Yeah. Just my two pennies. Yeah, no, I mean, that's they, fine. <laughs> I mean, they did try an interesting strategy with uh, with Kimi, and it damn near worked by starting him on the mediums. He was the only driver not to start on softs. It was funny. I was joking with my dad before the race as well, saying like, "Yeah, with one when you're one car and you look around you, and everybody else is on the same tire but you." You must be thinking to yourself, I've got this wrong, haven't I? I doubt Kimmy does. I imagine Kimmy doesn't actually notice what everyone else is doing. He <laughs> does fair. not give a shit. It's it quite an interesting pre-race thing, though, wasn't it? Where they're just like, everybody is on soft, apart yeah. from Kimmy Raikkonen. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, Kimmy was up in fifth place at one point. So, you know... Because everybody had pitted and he hadn't needed to, but... Yeah, but if they'd had a safety car when he was up in fifth mm-hmm. uh, and he managed to swap his tyres and then, Absolute you know... Squiddles. Yeah, yeah. He would have been... He could have... I'm not saying he would have finished fifth because that's that's un, unlikely, but the... Points? Yeah, yeah, points, definitely. Ninth, maybe, tenth, possibly. No, he could have... He would have put himself in a great position. Uh, and that's what I really like about trying something different we've seen williams doing it a lot so far this season but they they went the same way as everyone else and it was only kimmy that didn't it you don't seem to get an, enough of that at the moment do you like the, the lower teams don't even seem to be willing to take a gamble anymore it's odd yeah like you you nobody does anyone start on hard tires anymore I haven't um, seen it happen no, for a I mean, little while. You you won't get the top ten doing it because nobody'll nobody'll do um Q two on them unless mm. it, unless no, it's a way no, of course. Just, I just I just want just want to point out the um the whole Kimmy running a completely different strategy to everyone else. Ruth Buscombe is still head of strategy at Alfa Romeo. Mm-hmm. Okay. And she is she is known to take risks that do do pay off quite often. They they worked with Grosjean, didn't it, a couple of times when she was at Haas. Yeah, when uh, when she was there on loan. So I can. To I be can fair, the it. biggest risk of Grosjean was putting him in the car in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've yet to talk about that later on. <laughs> but yeah, it would it would have been it would have been good to see a slightly better performance given the potential. But again, it, it was, it was the way that tires just seemed to fall off the cliff completely. There was, there's no warning. One minute Kimmy's running fifth and then all of a sudden everyone's streaming past him and he has to pit. Mm. When did he, when did he first come in? Lap 37. Yeah. That's when his mediums started going off and he must have switched to soft. Cause obviously you have to use two different types of tire. Yeah. And he got, he got 28 laps out of those. So they were, they were probably uh, on the last legs by the end. I apologise for this 
bloody tickly cough tonight. I inhaled a grain of rice before we started and it scratched my throat. Next time I'll try eating it. It's it's <laughs> this bizarre new diet I'm on. Ale uncooked rice. It was cooked. It was cooked. It was it was definitely cooked. <laughs> I just thought it would be better, better in my windpipe than anywhere else, apparently. Uh, let's see. What is next? Aston Martin. Ugh. They, yeah, they were, they were there. There's a lot of contenders for the Giovinazzi Participation Award this week. Mm. And well, they're, they're right up there. They were, they were just... <clears throat> Anonymous? I read, read an interesting article about uh, um, uh, Austin Martin over the weekend uh, from, I think, it, it, I can't remember who wrote it or where it was in. Well, it was I will, one, put, I will one, put good money on it not being Matt Gallagher. No, yeah, definitely <laughs> not. I don't think he can write. Um, <laughs> the, uh, he certainly can't speak very well. But the 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 people were, were speaking to people within the team and they sort of suggested that since the Strolls have come in and took the team over, how things aren't working and running like they used to in Force India um, and how the team doesn't feel the same anymore. And I can't help think that when the Strolls got involved with Williams, that was the, you know, I mean, obviously Williams had probably had a, like a, a managerial issue as well. But I, I, the demoralisation, isn't it? That's like yeah. That's what they get. And I can't, help, I can't help but wonder. I mean, I'm still like a, a wholly on the side of Paddy Lowe when it comes to the Williams thing. But you don't um, you don't get somebody like that that suddenly just forgets how to do his job. Yeah, but don't forget how complicated it is to make a Formula One car these days. Yeah, I I know, and I know it gives you the it gives you the excuse to do that joke, and it's still not funny. But the <laughs> um, he uh, he left for a reason, you know. It's, and there was manager managerial problems there, but you wonder whether one of the reasons that the, there's problems. Like happened that made Paddy Logo is whether Stroll was wanting things that he couldn't have or getting involved because I think did we 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 talked about this last week a where, little bit yeah yeah it's, you could be you could end up in a situation where you've got somebody that doesn't really know what they're talking about but has got all of the money and power to force themselves into the conversation yeah I mean. That team, that team has been traditionally run on a very tight budget. But very well for and the budget. But it's been run very well for the budget, definitely. And, I mean, the, there's, you know, there's still employees there going back, to, going back to the Jordan days. Yeah. And it's been a case of everyone's just sort of pitched in and done everything for the team. Now, now that the Strolls have taken over... It's just another. It's just another division of Stroll Corp Inc. And you're not an employee; you're a number. Yeah, it could even be like you know the beginning of Drives to Survive, where he sort of sauntered in that room like a bond villain. Right, yeah, yeah. You've got me for an hour and sits down, and you just think, well, let's be perfectly fucking honest about this. Uh, they've never had you before. So you're actually, you're, apart from the fact you're putting the money into this, which is all fine and fine and dandy, but um, you were never in like an important part of the like the working of that team. 
Yeah, so I mean, to throw in a football, to, to throw in a football analogy, it's like the chairman picking the team, which has happened at certain clubs, which have gone to shit. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm worried about Austin Martin. I mean, you know, Daddy Stroll is saying all the right things. We're, you know, we're in this for the long haul. We're, we aim to build a championship-winning car. The question is, at what cost? Here's a question for you. Do you think? Uh, I wonder if Austin Martin would be in the same would be in the same boat they're in now, because I don't believe it's just a rake issue. Because let's face it, Mercedes seems to have worked themselves around that pretty quickly. Um, so w- would they have be be in the same position they're in now if they hadn't cheaped out and took the Mercedes last year? I don't think they would, because I think that's part of what's been affected by the rule changes for this year, isn't it? I think they can't they can't have those brakes that they've had to now develop their own brakes, which are mm. a year less evolved than what everyone else has got. I mean, don't don't forget, Stroll said the rule changes were deliberately aimed at them. I I mean, I I don't see why that seems it seems stupid, doesn't it, to even suggest that. Yeah, uh, I think they've been caught out because this wasn't. Um, this was supposed to be a, the new year, like the new formula, mm-hmm. and they'd got that car from Mercedes and thought, "Brilliant, we can focus on 2020, uh, 2021 regulations." And they've been caught out because they've had to develop a twenty twenty two car out of a car they didn't make in the first place. Yeah, I mean, effect- I know what you mean. Eff- yeah. Effectively, what what the running is bits bolted onto a twenty nineteen car. Yeah. yeah, that's the thing. And a car uh, that would have got them through last year is now another year older, and they've had to do more bits to it that they don't entirely understand because they didn't build it in the first place, and it just doesn't quite make sense. I think. Yeah, it it seems to work in my head anyway. <laughs> yeah, maybe COVID did screw them over. Maybe Lawrence Stroll. Well, fixed they it. were the first ones to bring it into the paddock, weren't they? As a, in in the driver form, certainly. Oh, yeah, well, I was going to say it was McLaren that got it first. <laughs> <laughs> but that, then again, does that count if the race never happened? Yes and no. I don't know. <laughs> Schrodinger's coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> Great, another new another new variant. <laughs> um, on to the driver performances. Um, Vettel just. He's still 2020 Vettel. I don't think he's 2020 Vettel because he's not spinning. He's not, has yeah, not racing anyone, that's why. I don't remember him doing anything wrong, but I don't really remember him doing much. It was um, it was fighting Alonso and Raikkonen for 15th at one point. Cool. Mm. Let's not forget he didn't have a terrible race last week. No, but no. he still doesn't have points and he's the only driver who is not in a Haas, a Williams, or an Alfa Romeo, to not have points. Fair. Absolutely fair. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know what to say. Do you, is, this, is this it? Do we Are we looking at a done Vettel then? Maybe he will take that year off. I, I think I, he wants 2022. I think yeah, he wants the I new regs. I think the yeah. same. I think he's hanging on for that. But I think if that doesn't work out for him, then I think maybe we could see, see mid-season rage quit. I mean, because he mid-season rage, rage quit. quit. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. 
I don't think he can take a year off because I don't mm. think he's got the reputation to come back now. Yeah, I think yeah, I think if he takes a year off and whoever comes in in his place does acceptably, then yeah, the seat isn't there for him. Which at the moment, mm. acceptably, is finishing top ten. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, and that's the thing as well. It, remember when we had a. Uh, Massa and who was who was Massa's teammate Williams when Bottas left? Stroll. Was it Stroll? Stroll was yeah. it? And, and we were saying uh, we didn't know how quick the Williams was because of the you know you, you had a broken Massa in it and a Stroll, and we thought the Williams might be a better car than it actually was. A little bit of me thinks: Are we in the same situation with Austin Martin? Is that a better car than we're seeing? Because Stroll's never got the maximum out of anything, you know. So, and he's got no gauge at the moment because Vettel's just so fucking out of whack still. We don't know. We've no idea where he is. Are we going to have to wait for a wet Monza to see the good Stroll again? Yeah, or probably. Do we need? do we need maybe Vettel to get coronavirus so we can see what Hulk does? Well, maybe. I was thinking, I was thinking, maybe if it's not Vettel, what if it's Hulk... Uh, sorry, what if it's Stroll that gets coronavirus or can't race for any reason, and Hulk steps into that seat and puts Vettel away quite easily? Mm. Of course, the only, the other thing it could be is um, maybe they're just being twats to Vettel. It would seem a weird thing to do. No, but I mean, like, we, we, we've already... Welcome well, in, champ. We need your experience, by the way. <laughs> Here's all the shit, Khan. You're never getting any of the updates. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, look forward to... Fin- if if Lance is going to finish 11th, look forward to finishing 13th. I mean, it, it's a Bond villain-esque thing, but if you wanted to uh, build the reputation of your son up, then you give him all the special treatment over the four-time world champion... And then when he's beaten the four-time world champion, you can turn around and say, look how well my son is doing. In 11th. <clears throat> James Bond well, villains can't drive Aston Martins. Yeah. <laughs> well, in, in they ele- should In 11th, but he's got a car with sharks with freaking lasers on. I jest that. I mean, I don't think they're purposely fucking Vettel up for that. But I do, I do wonder whether... Um, it's just going to be de facto boss's son gets the good bits. He has been getting the upgrades ahead of Vettel so far, but of the official line being because he's ahead in the championship. Yeah. Yeah, he's got points. It seems, a, a, considering you're not fighting for a championship, though, that seems to be an odd tactic. I think that's quite like, standard uh, practice, isn't it? If you've got one set of upgrades ready, the driver with more points gets them. That's fairly normal. I th- I thought teams like you would usually swap, you know. So it's like it was your t- it's your turn this uh, this race. The next lot would be my turn, regardless of where they were. In a team like that, you know, it's it's not because because if that's the case, you have one bad result and your teammate scores a bag of points, then you're forever not getting updates. I mean, maybe they take it on the position from the previous race, which still means that... I think they take their decision from the previous bloodline. (laughs) (laughs) It will be be just like the Silverstone team to... um, Things have got the potential to go well. Oh, shit, they've gone wrong. What happened? Yeah. What happened? We caused it. Why? The boss. Hmm... 
Yeah, there's so, there's something that, but again, who fucking knows? It's not like it's not like Vettel was doing anything in Ferrari, and it, it might just be time time to accept that Formula One's got away from him. And they didn't do anything in this race, Aston Martin. Not a thing. No, I don't. I don't remember any anything particularly notable except for, like I said, that three time uh, triple world champion battle for fifteenth. Right, Alpha Tori next. Uh, the only DNF, um, Sonoda, who had another weekend to forget, except for the bollocking that he got when uh, he slagged off the car. <laughs> well, he slagged off the car and then it broke down on him in the early stages of the race the car to was a point listening. where it was unrecoverable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sonoda trying to park that car was hilarious. Bless him. Well, he couldn't because it completely died on him. He couldn't put it in. He couldn't put it in neutral in gear or anything. He was just. He was just totally. At, at, stuck. One, point, at one point, he was halfway out, and then it started rolling, and then he had to sit back down. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Gasly, a bit of a recovery drive for Pierre Gasly as well. I mean, he he did he did Good the drive. same as he did in Portugal. He scored a point. Yeah, he um, was he was quite pissed off at himself because of the the penalty that he got and yeah. the mistake he made on the grid. But yeah, he he recovered well. Yeah, he was basically alongside. Well, <laughs> at the start, he was in between the Aston Martins. He was basically alongside the lead Aston Martin as they started, uh, and still finished ahead of both of them, even with a penalty. Mm-hmm. And his second pit stop was a nightmare as well because it looked um, that was about a seven second one. Was it? Yeah, because oh, yes. I vaguely remember this because yes. they didn't have to do yes. the penalty at the second pit stop, but for some reason it looked like that's what they yes, were doing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Neither of the right hand side tyres went on during that on the first go. I think it took it took um, three goes for each wheel. So maybe he thought he was in line because the left at the start because the left side was in line and the right side of the car was just completely all over the place. No, I don't think that's an excuse. No. <laughs> <laughs> No, but best I, best I can come up with. Um, Alpha Tori definitely have it in them to be the fifth best team. Yeah. If yeah, they need Sonoda to start doing a bit more. Not really his fault that the car broke down. I think it was just a massive electrical failure. But he needs he hasn't to start. Set the world alight all weekend though. He, had he? he hadn't looked on it. No, I think he need, he needs to start getting a little bit closer to Gasly, but. Yeah, the car looks reasonable. Yeah, maybe if he calm, calms down a bit when he gets knocked out in Q1, or maybe tries I quite to... like Sweary Sonoda on the radio, though. I find him quite entertaining. I like that he's got a bit of passion. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, much more passionate in that car than, than the guy we were just talking about, Sebastian Vettel. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's not ideal when you start accusing your team of not giving you the same car as his teammate. But then it's yeah. not ideal for his car to cut out on him, like on lap three or whatever it was. <laughs> no, that's that's true. <laughs> so he must have walked into that. If 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 he speaks perfect English, and I don't know that that he gets you know the the the, the juxtaposition of all the phrases correct. But he, I, if that were me, I would have walked into the back of the Alpha Tauri garage and just gone case and point. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, apparently he got a real dressing down on Saturday after qualifying for it and um, issued an apology for um, for slagging off the car and the team and being generally disrespectful. I think uh, you're allowed to, 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 to be slightly disrespectful. Just 
Not personal, perhaps. Yeah, um, but of course, of course, his car is different to Pierre Gasly because Red Bull have always treated Pierre Gasly so well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think they're having to be extra nice to him now, just in case Perez doesn't work out. <laughs> Uh, what have we got next? Alpine. Yes. Binary results. Yeah, but on yes. a mixed day. So they they were the only team that went all in on the one-stop strategy. And Ocon oh. scraped by. Alonso came up a few laps short, I think, and had to... Oh, great qualifying from Ocon, by the yeah. way, on Saturday. How the hell did he put that Alpine fifth? He's, he's doing a good job, isn't he, this year? Yeah, yeah. he is. Yeah, I mean, you know, it it certain it certainly looks like um he's got to terms with the car really quickly. And Alonso's got a lot of catching up to do. I mean, Ocon, I mean, okay, he's got a different name, but Ocon has been with the team a year longer. Alonso is coming back from a couple of years out, but Yeah, but Alonso keeps coming back to the team. <laughs> the same <laughs> team. Yeah, he's like It's like Grandpappy Nando. <laughs> <laughs> Hey kids, grand, Grandpa's taking us to the pictures this weekend. I thought we put I thought we put him in a home. We did, but he broke out again. <laughs> I do wonder, like, how difficult it's going to be for these guys. You know, it's we've we've seen science is sort of getting there or thereabouts with Charles Leclerc. Mm-hmm. There was some more positive stuff coming from Daniel Ricciardo, even though I think he was he was lucky to outqualify um, uh, Lando. This weekend, you know, give, given the qualifying session Lando had, I think yeah. he was quite—he was lucky to be ahead of him this weekend. Um, I and I, I just wonder how uh, how long it's going to take these guys to get right running with these new teams, given the fact that they're not—they're not really getting like testing testing times because they're every time they get in a car, they've got to get ready for a race weekend. You know, they, they've. It shows how important preseason testing is. I think this year more so than I think we probably ever realised. Particularly with practice being shorter as well, I think. Yeah. For someone like Alonso, who isn't just in a new team but is coming back after a couple of years away, it's it's harder to get rid of any rust that is lingering, really. Yeah, and slightly different um, regulations as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm still waiting for Alonso to get out of the car after an hour and expect his teammate to jump in. Plus, last time he was in F1, he wasn't used to actually being able to do a full race. Yeah, that is, that is true. He's actually. not used to having an engine that does a full race distance. Yeah. Fair, yeah. <laughs> Takes some time to get used to it. Yeah, I mean, you know, is he still reserving his seat in the stands? Oh, the deck chair. <laughs> I'm thinking Canada when he, uh, when he joined the uh, McLaren club. Yeah, joined the fans to watch the rest of the race. Mm. Was explain, explaining to them all what was happening as, as they, he was watching the, the, the second half of the race. <laughs> but yeah, Al, Alpine are um, start. You know, it, things are starting to come together. Um, I mean, let's have a look. Alonso has scored five, I think. Uh, Alonso has five. Ocon has ten. Yes. Um, so I mean, the, you know, it's definite, definite points finishes. Yeah. It's looking it's looking better, isn't it, that Alpine? Yeah. It's, it's it's starting to maybe just come together. Um so we know how good Alonso can be. He's just not 
not on it at the moment. I mean, we saw a glimpse of him in the, the second half of that Portuguese Grand Prix, but that, that Alonso didn't turn up in Spain. No, this was um, back at back of the points, struggle, struggling for pace and killing his tyres. Well, everybody suffered a bit from tyres, oh, I think, yeah, didn't I mean, they? The, the t- I think the tyre deck was ha- a lot higher than um, everybody had even anticipated this mm. year. And I what- think Alpine have admitted post-race as well they were they were wrong to try and go with the one-stop strategy. It just wasn't the right conditions for it, and Ocon did very well to make it work for him. Next. You could say Ocon's work was done on Saturday with that qualifying, to be honest with you. True. Let's have a look, because the, the other one-stoppers in the race, uh, Raikkonen was 12th, and like we say, Alonso didn't actually make it. Alonso pitted late, yeah. didn't he, after he, he, he actually got overtaken. Um, I mean, Pirelli themselves were saying that the two-stop was ideal, which everybody, everybody seemed to ignore. Why? They're the ones who make the tyres. If they're telling you this is how the tyres work, maybe listen to them. Well, we'll make it. We'll, I, think, I think it was because I think it was because AWS agreed with them. Ah, fair. <laughs> so we'll make it quite clear later on in the podcast that two stops was probably the way to go. Like nine of the top ten. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, every everything from now on. Uh, McLaren, um, Danny Rick getting sixth, and Lando in eighth. But uh, best performance from Danny that we've seen this season, I reckon. Yeah. yeah, he's starting to look quite settled now, isn't he? I think he's feeling a bit more comfortable with the car, and hopefully from here he yeah. likes Monaco. We know he likes Monaco. So when the pit stops work out for him, yeah. So yeah, he could, uh, he could be in for a good little run. Oddly enough, I, I've been oddly enough. It's it's my it's obviously apart from listening to this one with your sweet baby ears. It's uh, one of my favourite Formula One podcasts is the race, and they were talking about um, the F one channel and the fact you can sit in with, with a driver and listen to their pit communication. You know through the mm-hmm. through the whole race if you want. You can sit with one person and that that radio comes. And Danny Rick is pro, pro, is apparently still being driver coached to the point where they're explaining to him what brake pressure to apply per corner. Blimey. That is unfamiliarity with the car. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That is a, his engineer is right, lap after lap after lap, talking him through the laps, try, trying to help him get used to the car. So it's uh, it, it just made me realise just quite why Danny Ricardo is so... Uh, like it's it's so not the Ricardo we were used to seeing, and how far away he is from being the normal Daniel Ricardo. It would be actually interesting thinking of that now. It would be interesting to see whether uh, it's a similar situation with Alonso. Mm. You know whether they they're try having to explain how these cars work to him on a regular basis. I can't imagine Alonso enjoying someone in his ear for a whole race. No, I can't. I think it would take a a level of humility I'm not sure Lando uh, Nando possesses. <laughs> I mean, if the, if if that is the case, then um, two sixth places this season is pretty good going. Not, not bad going. No, absolutely. I mean, I've got I've got to admit, I I hate anyone talking to me when I'm driving which is probably not a good idea when you're sat in the car with a driving examiner when it's your test 
Mm. <laughs> you know, when I when I bash the clipboard, make an emergency stop. Leave me alone. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> Apparently, that fails you. <laughs> <laughs> um, Lando, moving on, moving on to him. Um, struggled in qualifying and lost a set of tyres because of being blocked by Mazepin. Mm-hmm. Because he had to uh, he had to do a second run in Q1 when he thought the when the thought ahead of time that the first run would have been enough. And that kind of compromised the rest of his qualifying, and he ended up, um, what was it, ninth he qualified. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even the cap doesn't like it. <laughs> yeah. that, was, that was dizzy for everyone's information, by the way. Not the best weekend for Lando, given that he was, up until the end of this race, third in the championship, which I believe he's now been ta- overtaken by Valtteri Bottas. Uh, yeah, so there's always a chance he can get that back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's, there's only six points in it. I mean, you know, one, one more if he Bottas race. Then again, when Bottas is finished, he's finished third. I, th- I think Bottas is finished. Carry to on. finish third, <laughs> third you must be Bottas. Yes, he's, he's finishing third, yet is arguably in joint best car on the grid. Mm. We'll, we, 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 will get, we will get to that in a bit. Yeah. But, um... Yeah, still, still looking good for McLaren. Although I think you know they got they got outperformed by Ferrari this week. They did. Mm, yeah, it would have been interesting to see whether Lando could have made the difference there. You know, it's a, if Danny Rick isn't quite there yet, Lando had a had an iffy qualifying, and nobody really moved forward, did they? Charles Leclerc did very well. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, like at past the start, like if you if you didn't absolutely nail your start, nobody really moved forward during the race. I think Kimmy so, was probably about it. Yeah. Um, so I, it was kind of like Lando's future was dictated on the Saturday, and then finalised when he didn't make a particularly good start. So, yeah, I just wonder whether. It, if you take out if you, if you if you take the problems that Ricardo's having, would Lando have made the difference where he could have been ahead of Charles Leclerc? Mm. He got um, overtaken I, I, by signs though, didn't he? So yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a fair point. Um, was that was that on the was that on the start though? No, it was about halfway through. I think it was it was oh, quite was a it? quite a racy it, quite a way in. He got um, he got a black and white flag for it. Because he was uh, he was weaving too no, much. No, that was Ricardo. No, Lando yeah. got one. No, no, Norris. No, no, Norris got the, uh, yeah. Ah. Rica- yeah, Ricardo from moving too late. Yeah, Ricardo didn't get one, but Lando did. Fair enough. Oh, yeah. I remember now. He got DRS down the straight, didn't yes. he? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I remember that. Um, yeah, he um, he moved over uh, the, just just as Science did it. it a little bit of a late manoeuvre to defend. So the stewards decided a black and white flag was a bit dangerous. Mm. So. It wasn't on purpose, but you, you can't you can't move that late in the braking zone, really. I mean, yeah, I think it's, it, it was one of those ones which was just on the edge, mm. wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, we all, we all there was three of us watching it because Chris Chris was around at ours this weekend, and I we was. all we all we all said at the time, it's like, oh, that's no. that's close, mm. and you know, it was no re- no real surprise when it came out. Um, right. Just going back to nobody moving forward, Perez gained three places from his uh, starting position. Yeah, well, Perez had a shit qualifying. And a dodgy shot. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, Ferrari. 
or the resur- the resurgent Ferrari, to give him the proper name, as everybody in the press keeps calling him. Really good race from Charles Leclerc, as I say. I mean, to, to mm-hmm. be hassling Bottas and getting around him in, in turn three. Uh, good move. Um, kept Only kept the space for, I think it was like two or three laps, wasn't it? Just after the safety car restart, I think Bottas got him back. Yeah. Um, but then Leclerc held that fourth place right the way to the end of the race. Um, you know, obviously, you know, pit stops, um, you know, all shaking out and that way everybody shuffled back to the order. Uh, and and Sainz did pretty well as well, as we just said. You know, he passing passing his old teammate. Uh, he probably would have enjoyed that a bit. And all right, okay, it's not quite up there, up there, if you will. He's, he's seventh, but Ferrari would have snapped your hand off if you'd offered them a fourth and a seventh last year. Yeah, yeah. Interesting thing about Leclerc is um, he's getting um, what you can only call sequential results: sixth, fourth, sixth, fourth. Maybe worth a couple of quid for sixth in Monaco. Does he hmm. not do shit in Monaco? I want to say he gets yep. a little bit overwhelmed in Monaco. He tried. He started at the back, didn't he, in his first Ferrari year, I want to say. And he tried to overtake... Is this his third year in Ferrari? I think so. Yeah. So it must have been 2019 Monaco. He started near the back and was determined to do the Bianchi thing of making his way forward. Uh, to get some points, uh, and just crashed. I mean, I, I, rem- I remember watching that race, and we were all saying, he's trying too hard, it's not going to work, and it didn't. While we're, we're, while we're sort of saying about people that do good and bad at Monaco, I know we're not, re- we're not really doing a Monaco preview until next week, but uh, it's just a for, just... couple of weeks, isn't it? It's next, next, next week's week. the preview. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, but just, just for funsies... I think Max Verstappen will essentially lose the world championship at Monaco. Interesting. Right. Because he's never been particularly good around Monaco. Hamilton is brilliant. And I think Verstappen is either either going to stuff it completely or just have a bad weekend. And at that point, where those cars are, I think that'll be, that'll be the turning point we look back on where... Because he, he's already, he's he's now all of a sudden fourteen points behind from out of nowhere it would appear, and I think I think he loses the championship in Monaco. I he nearly like... won the race, didn't he? Was it, he was hassling Hamilton in twenty eighteen. Yes, but he had it? he had a penalty because he'd carved Bottas up in the pit lane. Yeah. There was one year oh, when yeah. he was miles ahead of Ricardo in practice, and then stuffed it into a wall in Q three, or it might have actually been in like. In, might have been in quali, might have been in last practice. I can't can't remember, but he ended they up qualifying to badly. The car. Yeah, so I think he's almost too quick for Monaco. Yeah, because yeah, there's um, something because mm. the one race that he did in uh, Toro Rosso, um, he tried to kill Grosjean and stuck it in a wall. Uh, Gro- well, yeah, that would be Grosjean's take yeah. on it. Yes, <laughs> but yeah, I think we know Verstappen likes to run over the curbs and be a bit loose with track limits and. There's none of that in Monaco. It just doesn't sort of suit that bit of his driving. No. Uh, we'll do. Uh, I mean, we will look at. Uh, we'll preview Monaco in uh, greater depth because don't forget this weekend it's we off Ekfa if you write it Ferrari style. Yes. <laughs> yeah, week off. Yes. <laughs> um, I mean, stay, staying on Red Bull. Now we've had a lot of um, a lot of people getting in touch about what could Red Bull have done for Max to have won. 
And I think the answer is nothing. No. Um, I just don't think they had the race car. No, I don't think they did. Well, Christian Horner said exactly the same, didn't he? To say we were sitting ducks as soon as Mercedes made that made that second pit stop. There was nothing we could have done. If we pitted, Lewis would have been ahead. If we waited, Lewis was going to pass us. So, you know, they had a faster car with more grip uh, and we just had to sit there. Yeah, I think the only thing that I think they could have done is obviously left him out as they did and hoped for a safety car shuffling things up a little bit, but didn't happen. Yeah, I mean, Max Max only had that one set of um, new softs left. Mm-hmm. So when Mercedes pitted Hamilton, albeit for a set of used mediums, but there's still quite a lot of life in them, as we saw, um, mm. you know, by, by the end of the race, those soft tyres would have been completely destroyed. So I think there was something like 22 laps to go. Yeah. And that was that was right on the cusp of the tyres dying. And by the time they'd got into a window where they could have got the maximum out of the softs, the gap the gap just wasn't there. You know, it was um it was it was good it was good to watch, but it was it was uh, especially the inevitability of um Lewis being the hunter rather than the hunted. Yeah, the twenty two was it twenty two laps, twenty two seconds, I remember saying because as I say, around at yours watching it, I turned around and said twenty two seconds, twenty two laps, that's a second a lap. That that's that's still quite the tall order. And yeah, he passed Verstappen with six laps to go. <laughs> yeah, the um, amazing performance. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm gutted for Red Bull because you know that the the may have been chances if things had played out differently, like say with with a safety car, mm-hmm. um, that would have that would have played right into their hands. But they had the second fastest car in race trim this weekend, and. That just screwed him. Perez going from eighth on the grid after a crap qualifying because of a dodgy shoulder, apparently. Oh. Christian Horner was making excuses about uh, about Checo's shoulder from Friday because he was. Uh, oh, I missed this. Yeah, he was. Uh, he was pretty slow in practice as well. So he got a shoulder injury, but wasn't sure where he'd got it from. Excellent. Mm. Right. So he's been doing something that his contract probably says he's not meant to do in between races. I reckon it's to, to do with popping balloons with your head whilst driving a cart around an empty warehouse. As silly as that is, I don't know that that's particularly strenuous on the shoulder. They have to do a complete handbrake turn at the end and come back and pop a second row of balloons, so you've got, oh, you've got to I really see. sort of steer into it. Yeah. Okay. I think that's what it was. Potentially. You know, I mean, you don't have power steering in a cart, do you? That's true. You do know when you've been in a cart. Well, yeah, you don't really need it, but... Um, but I mean, it, it it turned into a recovery drive for Checo, really. <clears throat> he did. He did okay. He did all right. Yeah, it looks it looks like he's definitely getting getting to terms with um, with that car now after the occasional iffy performance. Oh, yeah, if we talk I, about sorry, go he, on, Lee. He was still too far away to make any difference, though, wasn't he? You know, it's he Max Verstappen was still fighting two Mercedes well yes and no because there's no way that Mercedes could have shadowed not that they probably would have wanted to anyway but they couldn't have shadowed Verstappen's pit stop and Red Bull pitted Max when they did because had Lewis Hamilton then pitted 
he probably would have come out behind Sergio Perez. So Perez was within the pit stop window for that first stop, but they left Hamilton out an extra few laps uh, until they pitted Perez as well. And then Hamilton um, pitted to to then you know I think he was like five or six seconds behind Verstappen, which obviously was eating up quite quickly after that first first um, round of stops. But yeah, it was but he, that... just, he never he never felt like he was making any impact. You know, if if we're saying Bottas didn't really make any impact in third, Perez definitely didn't. I mean, no. the thing the thing with Perez was though, just going from his start position. He got he got stuck in the train because uh, Lewis and Max disappeared at the start. Shouldn't have been there though, should he? He should have, he should have started further up. Yeah, he should have started further up. But if this shoulder injury, like I say, it had um, it had at least twenty four hours worth of pre excuses before qualifying. <laughs> if you know, if this if this was a thing, then you know that screwed his entire weekend up. If it's an excuse, they'll run out of excuses pretty quickly. Yeah. Definitely. I just, I, I, I just expected. I mean, I still stand by that. Perez has got more to gain because Bottas is essentially performing to the level of Bottas, <laughs> but Perez should have a little bit more in the tank I mean, at some point. I'm, I'm going to pull you up on this one, Lee, because you're saying all the new drivers are struggling with all the new new to a team drivers are struggling with the cars. Perez is the one that's highest in the standings. He's got the best car of all the new drivers as well, and he finished higher than anybody else yeah. in a new car. But but this is the thing though, and it's uh, and I I know you I I know what you're saying, and I think I think it is it is right the. Uh, the fact it's been harder for these teams to ju- the drivers to jump over, but it doesn't alter the fact. I mean, whether be it Perez's fault or not, it doesn't alter the fact that Mercedes uh, that Red Bull have another number two driver that doesn't seem to be able to come to terms with the car, and another another number two dri- another number two driver that's leaving Max Verstappen to do all the heavy lifting. You know, regardless of why, isn't it kind of doesn't matter. But especially in a in a season like this, where they we thought they had a car which was on par with Mercedes, which is kind of looking like it's slipping away. And but but still a car to challenge. But if they're going to challenge, they need to be there with strategy, and they need to have two cars there. But I don't I don't know how they do it right now. If if he doesn't get on terms with, sorry, not even on terms with Bottas, if he doesn't get more on terms with Verstappen, so he's closer to the Verstappen-Hamilton battle, there is no way Red Bull can win this world championship. Either of the championships. I mean, this this may play out over the next, over the next two or three races because certainly by, certainly by Azerbaijan, um, you'd think six races into the season, any driver in a new car would have got used to it. Yeah, you'd hope so. Yeah. And we know Perez likes a bit of Azerbaijan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> following on from there, I mean, the next, the next test is going to be after France. So that's going to be the next time for, ser- you know, the next, next serious non-racing track time. 
Um, there are tyre tests as well, I think, aren't there? Because Mercedes have done one of those already. Yeah, I'm not sure when. Every team gets one, but I don't know when. Mm. Uh, don't know when Red Bulls is, because it's private. And they usually announce it after the event. Yes. So I mean, he's got, within within two races, we'll know where Red Bull are going to be, depending on Perez's performances. And again, it's it's getting used to the car. You know, who's he, who's he finished behind so far this season? Um, Bahrain finished behind Norris for fourth place. Um, that was a recovery drive because the car broke down on him. Yeah. Uh, Imola finished behind everyone. Uh, <laughs> finished 11th, there didn't he? There was a bit of a Imola. drama there, yeah. I seem to recall. Yeah. Trying too hard syndrome. Yeah. Um, Portugal, fourth. And, yep. and Spain beaten by Leclerc. To be outside the top three, so well four. Well, to, well like, yeah, yeah. To, um, I know yeah, what you mean. Yeah. By, being, For it not being, to be the top two teams in the yeah. top two places. Yeah. So it's not as it's not as dire as it looks. You know, two two, two fifths or fourth, and um, a weekend where when he gets to write his autobiography, he wasn't there. <laughs> he was away visiting his aunt at the time. <laughs> Yeah, I do. Again, Who definitely I don't, didn't have COVID. Do we think? Can, can we look at the um, at the like positions as like what we what we should be looking at? Should we need to start looking at the distance from teammates? Surely. Um, Verstappen eighty points, Perez thirty-two. I don't mean points. I mean during a race. Like time dif- difference, like how how far down ba- back down the road was, um, he, he wasn't was Perez from was Verstappen. He? I think was he the last of the drivers that wasn't? No, uh, science was, was the last, one, was the last one that wasn't. Um, Perez was so finishing on the lead lap is a lot better than where Alex Albon was last year. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But it's still it's still not enough to help win a win a world championship. Yeah. For, That's what 40, I'm to say. Forty eight seconds behind, but only nine seconds behind fourth place. Mm. I don't know. I I I I think I think the the longer this goes on, we're go, we're going to see Perez getting more more and more trouble. And I wanna... it's, I'm not. There's no, no. We, we've discussed this in the off season though. There is no driver. Who can sit alongside Max Verstappen and and be as close to Max Verstappen in that car in that team when they've built they've deliberately built the whole thing around him? Yeah, I know. I did. I see that. I'm not necessarily knocking um, uh, Perez here. It's more of a it, it's more of a finger point towards Red Bull. Like what what are they going to do? Do they, are they, are they going to have to start? Like looking at their car as more open, so it's not just for Perez. Sorry, so it's not just for Verstappen because it they can't they can't expect to win. Especially let, let's face it as well. You think if um, Mercedes had gone with uh, George Russell last year and, and oh this year, sorry, instead of Bottas, and like we think will happen where George Russell is going to be capable of challenging Lewis Hamilton in that car. I mean, he would be in all sorts, Verstappen would be in all sorts of trouble if that was the case. So Red Bull can't expect to go out there and win world championships unless they can get their team in a position like it used to be 
when they had Max and Ricardo in the team, which is probably the like this whole shift of the team was probably one of the reasons Ricardo jumped to Renault in the first place. But that it was it was round that time where it stopped being like the Red Bull team, which had a number one driver and became a team that was like built around one driver. Even in the Vettel days, um, it, it wasn't like you know Vettel did better than uh, Weber, but it wasn't all of a sudden that Weber couldn't drive the car. He said it himself. Not bad for a number two. Yeah, but that was down to upgrades, wasn't it? You know that that was that was down to what upgrades that they were given. Not like there's a fundamental difficulty for him to get for him to drive the car because the guy that they're actually designing the car has got such a unique driving style that it just sabotages their t- their teammate by default. Yeah, it's the Verstappen team essentially, isn't it? Rather yeah. than Red Bull. I think they've got the best driver they could have at this moment in time. I don't know who else they would possibly get unless they managed to poach Lewis Hamilton. Absolutely, but look what what it did to Ferrari when they tried to fix their struggling team by just having, like, we just need the driver. That's all we need. We need need to keep doing it. So Kimi Raikkonen came in. He won a world championship, to be fair. But But by accident, then they get rid of him to start the whole Fernando Alonso experiment. Fernando goes, then it's Vettel's turn to try and save Ferrari, and Vettel can't save Ferrari. And now they seem to have hit this thing where they've actually got a balanced team between Carlos and uh, Leclerc, and it's probably going to do them do them well in the end, that, team, that pairing. Are you praising Leclerc? I'm saying that it's <laughs> going to do them well. It's going to do them well. <laughs> treating both of them equally but it's it doesn't matter what not, they do not cheating it, helps as well not cheating helps i mean let's it's face early it they're in doing the very season. well this year it's early in the yeah. season we can't rule it out let's be honest yeah, we, fair enough fair enough but that, that's what i'm trying to say like what, what what do you win you can't win a constructors if you if you've got a car where like fundamentally your number two driver can't do anything in it so that's your constructors out, and you probably can't win a world drivers championship because your uh, your lead driver is always going to be fighting two at, at least two people. Unless it's unless it's um, Ferrari during the Schumacher era when you've got the best car, and you will screw over your second driver. The other yeah, thing is, think, well, no, look at the not, amount though, of one twos they had. in that position at the moment. Yeah, yeah, and look at the amount of num- uh, one twos Ferrari used to have. And look at how many of that number should have been the other way around. The one thing which could play into Red Bull's hands later in the season, Bottas tends to go off the boil a bit mid-season. So, like, this is peak Bottas right now, whereas Perez goes the other way. He can be a bit of a slow starter and then gets going sort of mid-season. Plot twist: I don't think Bottas will be in the car in the at the end of the season. Ooh, controversial. Now it's been ha- officially denied, so so it's probably going to happen. It's definitely happening. Mm-hmm. I think we just found this week's podcast title. <laughs> 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 but yeah, talk about the other two drivers in in the the other two cars. Like this is the second race in a row where we've seen Lewis Hamilton make a, not a mistake as such, but lose a place early on and then have to make an on-track pass 
in order to win the race and against somebody who's who's in a competitive car and in you know it's probably going to be end up being the main championship rival as the season unfolds and he did it like so many i've seen a, a tweet saying or oh, any driver could have done that in that in that car on those tires yeah but not any driver did yeah like <laughs> I know I, I'm no going to get accused of being Hamilton fanboy again here, but we are watching history unfold itself with this man mm. because he a hundred pole positions this weekend, which is something I don't think we even mentioned yet. Have we on the podcast no. tonight? No, no. Oh. I mean, that, that is unthinkable. Absolutely. When you consider that Michael Schumacher is second on the list with 68. And not only is he, was, is he second on the list, Michael Schumacher that you know, back in the day, was considered quite the qualifying specialist. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> and here's a stat that I, I, I told I told Paul and Sean yesterday, but uh, I said I was also going to mention it on the pod. If you take Lee, the amount of wins that Sebastian Vettel has had, and the amount of wins that Fernando yeah. Alonso has had, yeah, and know. Max Verstappen, and you add them all together, it's how does Hamilton has that amount plus one? Yeah. <laughs> That that plus, that plus a Perez, yeah, exactly, <laughs> or a Maldonado. Oh, oh shit! Yeah, we do, yeah, we forgot. Yeah. We forgot that. Are, six that world it? championships there. there. There are four for Vettel, two for Alonso, and then you can pick one single race winner. Yeah. And the, and then you've got seven and the same amount of race wins in one man. Ninety-seven wins more than Maldonado. <laughs> <laughs> And can I just point out as well, 100 pole positions, 270 races. That's, that's 99 more than Hulkenberg. Mm-hmm. I was amazed to see that he's won half, half of his race wins were not from pole position as well. But there's no overtaking yeah. in Formula One. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. Like, what was that? 98 wins uh, and... Um, 100 pole positions. He's going to hit 100 at some point this season before he hits 300 races, which means yeah. overall, in the last 15 years, he's won, on average, one in three. Yeah. It's a bit insane. It's crazy. And it, 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 I keep thinking, like, because people keep keep saying like that it's records that will never be beaten. But the, the crazy thing is, I remember people saying that about Schumacher's records, that these mm-hmm. records will never be beaten. Yeah. Yeah, and also its consistency is key here as well. And yeah, okay, Mercedes perhaps do have a lot, perhaps more than the driver to play in this part. But I mean, you, you've also got to, um, you've you got to hand it to a driver for not making a mistake that puts you out of a race. But the last time Lewis Hamilton retired from a race that he started, bear in mind he didn't take part in the Sakia race. But the last time he retired from a race, Austria, twenty eighteen. Jesus. That's how you win world championships. Like absolutely, it's the consistency. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I think that's what that's what people like Verstappen have got to get over. It's it's more more so than just the talent that's Lewis Hamilton's got. You know, as far as overall pace has got, racecraft, ability to manage his tires. You know, he is a he's a he's a, the proper all rounder now. It's that relentless ability to carry on you know that's 
that's the impressive thing about Hamilton, regardless of how much talent he's got. Do you remember the, the interview with Mika Hakkinen when Mika Hakkinen talked about why he left Formula One and he was saying how exhausted he was winning two world championships back to back? That yeah. he could, he even when, when you talk about a guy that was still going to come back into the season in a top car capable of winning this championship, and he couldn't face going back to Formula One because of how exhausted he was winning two world championships. Yeah, because of the effort that it took. Yeah. Rosberg retired after mm-hmm. the effort that it took to win him one year. Yeah. You know, it's to, to keep on top of that time and time again. It's just, it's insane. It's insane absolutely bumps. insane. Yeah, yeah totally. Absolutely. And the other, the other stat was that this is Lewis Hamilton's best start to a season since 2015. He has one extra point, obviously, for that fastest lap thing, which wasn't around back then. But um, he totally dominated that season in 2015, mm-hmm. and he has one extra point because of the fastest lap. If this is if this is going to go the way of 2015, well, the championship would be wrapped up before we get to the last three races. Yeah. Is he going to win it in Mexico again? Say as late as three. <laughs> I was just going to say if he wins it in Mexico, there's still like four or five races after that, isn't there? This year, uh, three or four depends on Brazil. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah, mm. yeah, Brazil, and then it's Australia after that. Brazil, Australia, Saudi- Abu Dhabi, Brazil, Australia, Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia is before Abu Dhabi. Sa- right. Okay. So yeah, there's there's an insane year of history in Formula One ahead of us, regardless of what happens. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I'm just a, bit, a little bit downcast after this race because I don't think we're going to see the championship we want to see. It is starting to look like Mercedes have got a handle on their car. I know I said it last week, mm-hmm. but it does it does feel like, doesn't it, the Diva car, and they're like, oh, right, sorry, we were looking at the wrong piece of the picture yeah. now we're in the right piece of the picture now we know what it's like okay uh this is what we need to do everybody just do just uh set your car to this every weekend and then they go out and blitz it oh we yeah. got, it got, the steering wheel goes this way up <laughs> yeah yeah, it's, yeah it feels something like that doesn't it? i mean it's it is close don't get me wrong i mean like the the, the margins in qualifying are, are ridiculously close but it is that driver that makes the difference I mean, mm. if, if you were relying on, you know, say, let's just say for, for argument's sake, Hamilton retired at the end of last year and it was Russell and Bottas in the car, I'm not sure Mercedes would have been on pole this year yet. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, this, this, this week, and I'm only saying this one because I've got it in front of me, Hamilton got pole by three hundredths? Yeah, something like that. 30, 36 thousandths, to be accurate. Now I've got the... Uh, Full full number up in front of me. Um, yeah, does George Russell have that extra thirty six thousands? He was bloody close to Bottas. At he was very little. He was about that close in to the Bottas, wrong I think, shoes. wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Bottas, Bottas. For all we say about him, he was only a tenth off. Um, I, I'm Bottas still isn't convinced. shocking in qualifying. No, he is. He's, he's all right no. as a qualifier. Uh, I'm still convinced that. Uh, George Russell is like one of those outstanding one or two in a generation. Oh yeah, he's a, he's, a, he's a he's a complete freak of nature. It yeah. would be good to see him, Hamilton, and Verstappen doing battle at the front. Mm. I'm I'm still convinced that 
the they're going to replace Bottas with George Russell um, next year, and much in the way that uh, Fernando Alonso took Schumacher out, I think George Russell is the one that's going to take Lewis Hamilton out. I mean, we saw this weekend, didn't we, with with Bottas when he was given team orders, didn't really seem too keen on it. And I think if we're thinking that Bottas is there because he's compliant and doesn't get, get in Hamilton's way. We kind of just see that are, actually are, are that doesn't happen. Are, are we are we at least future Formula One Emporium for what's going to happen before the end of the season? <laughs> Why not? I don't know. I don't know. Possibly. I mean, the, the when we heard the radio messages, mm-hmm. we, what we didn't hear was you know Valtteri's response. Valtteri might have said, "I'll let him. I'll let him through the inside of that hairpin." But, I don't know. I feel, like, I feel like we saw anything. Valtteri's response. No, but we didn't hear it. That's what I mean. Like, no, no, Valtteri didn't say anything on the radio <laughs> that that's why we didn't hear a response because it wasn't didn't one. exist excellent yeah yeah they, and, uh, I mean, it did, and it also it did look like hamilton actually had to put a move on bottas because mm-hmm. bottas was kind of turned in on him a bit he, he did turn in on him and yeah uh, like and do you know what it reminded me of it reminded me of um massa remember when massa turned around and said i'm racing for myself now yeah, yeah. It, it reminded me of that because Bottas. Let's not let's not forget here, right? He's obviously not of the fucking match of Lewis Hamilton. If you if you're a Bottas fan and you're out there and you still think next hello Santeri, yeah. But if if, if <laughs> oh, you genuinely and, uh, and, think and, and one more, uh, Nick Skelter's mum. Oh, right, <laughs> great. <laughs> Mother's but, favorite, Valtteri Bottas. <laughs> If if you're one of those people that's watching the code, no, next year, next year's the year. Next year he'll show him. Bottas three point eight point six. He'll show him. I it's it's not happening. It's Bottas really, XP. Yeah, it's really not happening at all. Um, it's so it's. I, I've fucking even. I've even lost my fucking point now. I'm that, that angry. <laughs> <laughs> but, but what I think what I think is going to happen is. Bottas fucked himself essentially because his only job was to play wingman this year and he didn't do it. I think George Russell is smart enough that if he's given the call round about mid season, depending on how things go over the next few races, uh, if he's if he's given the call over the summer break and there's there's a, a swapsy thing, because that's how I think it'll work, I think Bottas will find himself in a Williams. Um He's smart enough to know, well, I can't win the World Championship this year, but next year I I want like equal footing with Lewis with it within the team, the or equal opportunities. Yeah. And uh, you, by the way, you guys can't hear this, but that cat is bloody loud. On the microphone <laughs> that goes into the podcast mix rather than the microphone that goes into our call mix, yes. Dizzy will be audible. Yeah, <laughs> I cannot hear that, so I'm 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 lucky, I guess. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think, I think they bring uh, George in before the end of the year because the longer this season goes on for Bottas, the more questions he's going to be asked about his future, and he's just going to crumble like a fucking sandcastle with the sea coming in on him. No, he's finished. Surely it'd be, um, it'd be a snowman in a blizzard. If you want, or a snowman on a summer's day, whichever analogy we want to use, there is a they photo are all of, acceptable. There is a photo of Bottas with a snowman from when they had snow at testing a couple of years ago. 
Just saying. <laughs> well, did I mention that? <laughs> did I mention that other that other stat on um, that was pre-pod, wasn't it? The uh, Bottas has been with the most dominant team since 2017 and has managed nine wins in the last season. Lewis Hamilton didn't win the world championship, which was the year before that, 2016. He managed ten wins in that year alone. It's, it's not good. Fucking... <laughs> That's pathetic, isn't it? If we're honest, like genuinely pathetic. It's not, you know, I can, if I, if I think back and I go back through, like, and, and uh, I hate to say it because it's not right, but at the same time, it's how it goes. Bottas is not the number right, two driver. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it, Bottas is the number two driver at Mercedes, uh, and he's won a handful of races over the last few years that he's been there. And then I think back, obviously, Massa would have won a few. Uh, well, Weber won a few with, with Vettel, obviously, at, at Red Bull. Massa won a few with, uh, you know, at Ferrari and then became their kind of number one driver. Barrichello won a few as well with Ferrari. Then you go back a bit further. You know, Ricardo Patrese had the longest non-winning streak up until Kimi Raikkonen broke that record. And even when he was put in the dominant Williams with Nigel Mansell as his teammate, he still won races. <laughs> mm. I've, well, I've, I've, I've sussed it. I've sussed it. Bottas is Andy Murray. No, he's, he's about as cheerful. He's about as cheerful. Andy, Dull Andy Murray gets gets the occasional win, but let's face it, Andy Murray spent more than a, a year as world number one. Yeah, okay, he's not yeah. Andy Murray then. Okay, it oh, had coincided no. with like Nadal's knee falling apart and. Federer needing a new spine, but yeah, he he was there when yeah, no one yeah. else was. He, yeah, he's only good. Bottas is only going to be there. Would only be there if nobody else is. I mean, Andy Murray isn't Nadal, Federer, or Djokovic. Did Valtteri Bottas hide under a desk at school when a madman walked in with a gun? Probably not. Doubtful. Andy Murray did. Doubtful. All right, I'll I'll. I'll... But yeah, I I'll, think I'll I think retract that analogy. Bottas's issue is he <laughs> apart isn't from proven, apart from proof <laughs> Bottas isn't Scottish. What are you trying to say? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Bottas is not close enough to the the Nadal and the Federer equivalent to be the Murray. He's more like maybe the Thomas Burdick. Yeah. The Arsenal. Yes. Yeah, that'll do. Bottas is Arsenal. <laughs> 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 okay. Uh, right, rock stars and wankers. Rockst- Hard to pick any wankers, really. The- uh, rock, <laughs> yeah. Rockstar, whoever came up with the idea of the um, pit wall to FIA radio. Yes, we like that. Yeah, that was cool. Um, James Vowles and his strategy team at Mercedes. I've seen, I've seen in a couple of articles as well as that, that shit's there to stay. Good. Yeah, that's good. I quite like it. Yeah, yeah I, I, I enjoy that. Uh, I because I, eventually I think what we'll get is conflicting messages from different teams. Yes. So you know you might get Fred Vasseur and Gunter Steiner like like totally conflicting messages to I the would FIA. Like to see that fight, I think that would be very entertaining. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and the um, yeah Mercedes just totally went against the 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 grain with their. Um, what the, the one stop thing was going to work, and everybody else kind of copied them after Lewis made that second stop. So, strategy team at Mercedes, absolutely rock stars. Um, Guy who spotted that Giovinazzi's tyre was punctured, rock star, rock star, because yeah, he avoided yeah, the wanker situation of sending car out with a non functioning tyre. Yeah, yeah. Uh, wankers, has just, just, just has. 
Zeppin for uh, an extra penalty point for doing what he did in qualifying. Again, it's not the first time he's done it either. Yeah, seems fair. Yeah, Schumacher for nearly running over the the Jack guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are accidents and there is stupidity. I guess Mick <laughs> Schumacher's thing was a more of an accident, but yeah, he, he goes on the wanker list for that. Gasly for not lining up in his pit box properly. Yep, yep. And the Giovinazzi Participation Award. I think it's Aston Martin for me, just as a whole entity. Yeah, I, Sebastian Vettel. I'm going to stick a probably slightly controversial one in there and say um, Red Bull for uh, giving us false hope of this championship. No, you, oh, no, is, that, is that for the season, not just for this race in particular? For the season, I was going to say, yeah. you, could, you could do that one in the season review. <laughs> yeah, it's the... the well, false hope because I, it's I, only one race. I said to yeah, I, I but I can see it. I can see the fucking writing on the wall. I turned around to my uh, to my dad uh, when we were sat waiting for the race to start. And I, I like given the the races we've had up to this point. I turned around to him and said, like he said, we could be like ten races time talking about it the way Hamilton and uh, Verstappen have looked. And do we wrong? We, we still could end up doing this. And like. I might be completely wrong, but uh, I was th- I was saying to you, we could like in ten races time be having the conversation of is this one of the best seasons of Formula One of all time? You know, one of the the great Titanic battles for a world championship. But I just I just don't think Red Bull are gonna be able to give Max Verstappen the machinery to keep it going. It is a worry. It all depends on when they stop the development on this car and then concentrate fully on next year's. Do you know what? I think there's more chance of Red Bull continuing to develop that car and and YOLOing it into 2022 than there is for Mercedes because Mercedes know they can kind of switch off, kind of keep it keep it going, you know, rely a bit more on Hamilton and stuff like that, whereas it's been so long since Red Bull have won a world championship, I think they would take the hit on next season because next season isn't a guarantee to give themselves the most chance they can have to win this championship. I mean, it's a long season. We've got 19 asterisk races left. I think we'll get all 19. I think we'll probably get about 17 of them. Mm. Yeah, I, just, I don't is. know about Turkey. I can't see Turkey happening at the moment. I mean, they moved the Champions League final from there. Yeah. Did, did we have a race in Turkey last year? Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, when you when you consider that you know, we we were at the peak of the madness last year. Turkey and, is in a the, very different position now to when when F one went there last year. Turkey is is not quite as bad as India, but not far off. But not far. But the the only difference I would say Formula One has is don't forget Formula One has the option of landing everybody going into the circuit and shutting the doors. True. Whereas yeah. football doesn't really have. It doesn't exist in a compound, you know. You can't arrive at the stadium and say, "Right, lads, get your tent, get your tent set up." Um, so I think I think that's why Formula One are going to be okay because if if we go to places which maybe are in a slightly worse position, it's just going to be a case of like just batten down and we stay here. 
the, it was funny enough. It was Bottas, wasn't it? The the other day was showing showing people around uh, his big motorhome because over last year he invested in his own like massive, massive tour bus. Oh, I have thing. not seen the Bottas bus. Yeah, the Bottas the Bottas bus is a thing of beauty. I'd live in it. <laughs> I mean, I guess he I probably guess... wouldn't welcome you, though. He probably wouldn't be too keen on that. I guess the thing with Turkey, it all depends on um, the British, Italian, and French governments. Yeah, that's going to be the issue. Whether they're going to whether they're going to insist on quarantining, even if you've been in a bubble. I, I think the difference we've got this time as well as vaccines, isn't it? Yeah, and the rest yeah. of the world is very far behind the UK. No, but if you but if you're send if you're sending a load of people into a country that are vaccinated, then there should be less issues than there are unvaccinated. I see what you mean, yeah, in that respect, yeah. yeah. For, the, for the paddock, I think there would be there wouldn't be too much of an issue. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at, at the at the moment, it's going ahead, but F one say they're sort of monitoring the situation constantly. We're still we're still another month off, and yeah. as as we know, a lot can happen in a month at the moment. Fucking right, yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> And in other news, <laughs> can't believe I'm going to say this. Roman Grosjean, anyone? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Hey, he could be the replacement for Bottas for the rest of the season if they can't get George Russell out of his Mercedes contract. That would be beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, you what, came, what you, happens? You yeah, came, I was up, just with, you came say. up with this scenario like, when they when they announced it. And it's like, yeah, this would be perfect. Yeah, yeah it is a 2019 car that he's going to be driving with a 2021 livery on it. Um, what if he throws that car round because he's doing a like a like a parade thing is he on the i think it's on the sunday just it's before a, the yeah, race parade lap sunday morning and then a yeah. test session on the monday on the monday yeah so what if he uh gets told towards the end of that test session all right roman have a little bit of fun with the car let's just show us what you can do he smashes the lap record by a few seconds and the data shows that the car is on the ragged edge and he comes back into the garage and goes, wow, that car, I've never driven anything like that. That's amazing. It's so easy to drive. They have to sign him. <laughs> they, can't, <laughs> they, can't, they can't ignore that kind of performance. I'd love it. I don't think it's going to happen. Well, he's famed for his it. feedback, isn't he? He's famed for being really good at feedback. That's why Haas held on to him for so long. Yeah. Because they felt that he really developed the car. Um, you know, went up to the point where they where they were scoring points quite consistently a few years ago. That, that was all down to Roman Grosjean, but the well, it certainly wasn't down to Esteban Gutierrez. Jesus, no, no. <laughs> but the um, yeah, if he if he could get a development role yet with <laughs> with Mercedes, and you know, if things do go south with Valtteri Bottas mid season, and I don't think they will, because I do believe that. Uh, the slight Red Bull taunting that they made, you know, sort of, well, there's only one team on the grid that does that, and it's not us. Um, uh, I think Roman Grosjean could, I'm not saying he will, I'm saying he could find himself in, in the frame. Um, I, 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 I would love it to happen. I'm going to say I think there is very little chance of it, but it'd be fucking great if it did. I think we've got more chance of him having an accident on the parade lap on the Sunday, <laughs> haven't we? Let's be honest. It, it would be so fitting. 
Just like stuff a car into a wall, blame it on Ericsson. He's not even in the same country. How the hell did you get oversteer on that straight? <laughs> and how many front wings have we got left? Yeah, two thirds down the Mistral Street, it's just the car just, just disappears. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, one other thing that um, came out today it looks like um, Barcelona, Catalonia are getting rid of that last chicane. And from ne- from next year we'll be um, we'll be back to the old circuit, which I believe they're still using MotoGP. With, they um, use them. They use the chicane once in MotoGP, and it did not go well. I think <laughs> I think someone actually died, didn't they? I don't know if they died, but there was a serious incident, uh, and they had to red flag the race. I believe, yeah. But um, yeah, it looks like we'll be going back to um, going back to the old layout from next year. So there might be a chance of more speed and more passing in the third sector. Hopefully. I suppose the uh, it will make DRS more um, more powerful as well because you're essentially extending the straight, aren't you, as well? Um, yeah, I suppose effecti- effectively you are. Although we didn't talk about this last week, but anyone, um, anyone noticed that actually cut the length of the DRS zone in Portugal? Oh, I did not. No. Yeah, they cut it back by. Um, they put the activation line 150 meters further forward. God, I hope that the ne- next year's cars are good, and we can fucking do away with DRS. Not getting any arguments from me on that one. Yeah, no, it's just I mean it will be around. Path. It will be around, won't it, for next year at least? Mm-hmm. Um, but we, hopefully, as I said. The, and everyone believes uh, and hopes that the cars can follow really closely, like they did in the in the eighties and then early nineties. Mm. None of this stupid turbulent air rubbish. And just uh, if that's the case, then we just need to bin DRS off. I think because there's no need for it if you can remain close. Because that's what it's there for. It's not an overtake, is it? It's to get close enough to overtake. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's kind of gone out the other side. Um. Right, I put a tweet out at the weekend after the race saying um, we should do something about a mailbag because we've been talking about it for ages and never doing it. But we've had quite, had quite a few emails. Um, one especially from Pete, a.k.a. Captain Chaos, just throwing, throwing back to uh, last week's Total Shunt. Um, he sent a photo in. He was right next to the ramp when Evil Knievel did his uh, jump over the buses at Wembley. Oh, oh cool. Like, on the day? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he was um, He was actually there. Um He's got. A, he's actually got a picture just before he jumped, but you can't find it at the moment. If um, if he does send it through and with his permission, I'd like to share that with everyone. That'd be cool because that would be uh, that would be that would be really good. <clears throat> um, a lot of people asking pretty much the same question: What could Red Bull have done to uh, win Max the race? Should they have pitted him? I think we covered that, and it's really no, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, short short of hoping for the safety car that didn't happen. I I don't see. How they did anything else? Best case scenario, I think, for Red Bull would have been to have pitted, in hindsight, to pit Max Verstappen maybe a lap or two before Hamilton made his second stop. Mm-hmm. Um, but even then, like Max said at the end of the race, the, the Mercedes just has so much more grip um, and pace. On Eventually, that pass was going to happen. It didn't matter what they did. Yeah. To be honest, um, if they'd have pitted him two laps for Hamilton, I think with the way that the tyres were dropping off, it, um, it'd have been fighting to stay in second. I think they could have given 15... They, they could have brought him in and stuck him on the softs 
and give him 15 laps or so to try and catch Hamilton on soft tires. That that's the only because he because he was something like he was something like over two seconds a lap faster, wasn't he? When he uh, yeah, during the race when they stuck the soft tires on him to get the fastest lap. Yeah, because he got uh, he got a two eighteen and Hamilton was doing two twenties. Yeah, yeah. So if they if they'd have done that earlier, he'd have still finished second, and they'd have had a chance at trying to win the race. But you know, it's if it's, it's all ifs and buts, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But yeah. I, I feel what they did was nothing, and they could have done something. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a tricky one. Uh, just let's see how many people said that. Uh, John, I hope I'm pronouncing this right. Nude, Noud, N O U D. Definitely, definitely a Verstappen fan because um, his email address finishes dot n l. Um, right, interesting question. I don't know if. It, don't know if we've noticed one. This may be one for maybe one for Scarbs uh, from Martin Ward. I was watching as usual, and there seems to be a deflection of the Mercedes front wing to flatten out on the straight. Is it me, or is it a clever way to reduce drag? A clever way to reduce drag. Mm. Hamilton said the same thing about Red Bull's rear wing, didn't he? Which Red, um, which Red Bull have instantly come out and defended, saying uh, it's passed all its tests. Yeah, as I'm, as I'm sure the Mercedes one has. Yes. But yeah, they do. They do flex a bit, don't they? They all have a little bit of give. Yeah, I mean this. This was the um, this was the thing a few years ago, a couple of years mm-hmm. back. With um, our Red Bull's wings too flexy, and <laughs> a literal weird flex, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Gnarly, surely it's Red Bull. <laughs> but I think I think designs like that are going are going to be written into it. Just um, just by dint of any slight aero advantage you can get still within the rules or within the borderline of the rules. Because they do uh, they do full weight or what appears to be full weight tests on the wings just to make sure they don't flex too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I mean it's it's very it's very hard to accurately simulate a car going at full speed when it's um when it's static or in a you know, even in a wind tunnel. Um Let's have a look. What else have we got? Ferrari are a lot faster this year than perhaps any of us were expecting. Do you think this is solely down to the engine development or has been hinted at by Mikasalo the fuel flow rate was reined in? I think it... I Could think be Mikas- a little bit of both. I, th- I think Mikasalo had it right because he likes to share the privileged information that he's got in the stewards' room because Finnish TV always gets stewards' decisions before uh, before they get announced at the track when he's stewarding. Yeah. And he has been caught texting people in the stewards' room before, which is meant. To, isn't that meant to be sort of a sealed environment? <laughs> don't know. Um, no, I think I don't know. I don't think you're allowed to social media from the stewards' room, are you? Which is why when you, whenever we see the cameras, they're actually at the doorway. They're not inside the stewards' room. I think. Mm. I think net, I think Netflix get cameras in there, but obviously that's not for not for transmission for another X amount of months afterwards. Uh, and just one more from Averal. Um Do you see Aston Martin making a resurgence like Alpine as the season continues, or, or are they stuck in limbo between being too slow for the midfield but too quick to fight for the back with the back markers? Still waiting to see Alpine's, Alpine's resurgence. So I don't know who he's on about. Oh, it's it's there. It's called Esteban Ocon. Could be, but like I, I wouldn't call it a resurgence. He's just doing well in the car. 
I, even that, well, surely, did, did we not expect more from them? Uh, from Alpine or Aston Martin? Uh, both, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> well, we expected something from Aston Martin, at least. Yeah. Yeah, the, I, I, let... can, I can see Aston Martin essentially writing it off, to be honest, if they don't start picking up soon, because we think already they've started working on 2022, hence they copied a car last year, so... It would seem odd for them to invest a load of time and resources to making a pretty shitty car a little bit better and risk yeah. throwing away next year's car. Yeah, every yeah, every chance. Actually, there is there is one last one. Uh from um longtime listener and iRacer Mark Audley. Max clearly has speed, but do you think being overtaken by Paul on iRacing has affected him this season? I think it's been Absolutely a huge 100%. psychological blow to him, yeah. Who's breathing heavily down the Someone mic, Someone is the way? breathing. No idea. <laughs> They've stopped. Which means it might be me. <laughs> it sounded very windy. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think it, I think it might have been you, Chris. Um, yeah, I moved the mic away from my face. Sorry. Uh, that, that'll probably do. It. Apolo- apologies for that. Yeah, but I, th- I think, I, I think it's really dented his confidence this season being overtaken by me. It's because you overtook him and then immediately like spun out in front of him. So he's like, "What the fuck is this?" And now he's just unsure of everything. Yeah. Every every time he gets near another car, he doesn't know if they're going to go or not. I have ruined Formula One this season, for which I would like to apologise. I feel Sean didn't have to bring up that last bit. <laughs> Just wanted to give the whole facts. Yeah, all right. I overtook him and then promptly binned it because I was jumping up and down in my chair saying, oh my God, I've just overtaken Max Verstappen. There, we're done. Total shunt time. It is. Right. <laughs> oh, by the this way, one. before we do that, if you, want to, uh, if you want to send in any questions to the show, email threelegsfourwheels at gmail.com. Is that three and four as a digit? Three and four are numbers. Just, just like the name of the podcast. This one was sent in by fellow drummer James Hackett. Uh, right, so you've only got four questions because that's as far as you guys can count. Uh, I think you're fine with doing it in 167. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was born. Yes. Yes. In 1954. Interesting. Right. Okay. I, I started racing carts at the age of 12. Fairly average for the time, I think. Yeah. I won the Superstock English Stock Car Championship at the age of 16. Oh, okay. Oh. Someone oh. like, what's his name? Barry, your man. Can't remember his second name, but yeah, okay. Oh, I'd like a guess. That was three clues. We that is three clues. Oh, yeah. Barry, <laughs> Christ, what's his name? <laughs> McGuigan. <laughs> No, Probably not Barry not McGuigan. McGuigan. He was a he was an Irish boxer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing you're not going for Barry Sheen. No, this guy <laughs> he was a he was a proper proper Cockney guy, and he was amazing in stock car races to the point where he he took part in stock car races, and uh, you know against like seasoned professional like drivers who made it to, like Formula One, like James Hunt and people like that. He take part in stock car races at Brands Hatch and beat them. Mm. <laughs> Do you know what? I'm gonna throw I'm gonna throw Derek Warwick out there. Oh, because he had a pretty long stock car career. And, um, was having a chat with someone who visits his garage quite regularly because he's got a garage on Jersey, and. Um, 
We were talking about him, and I, I, I looked, I looked him up because I didn't know what he'd done outside Formula One, and I'm pretty sure that he used to race stock cars quite a bit, and the age sounds about right. Well, that sounds reasonable. Okay, and, go Derek Warwick then. And yeah. I'm not, I'm not sort of deliberately going out my way to tread on your toes, but at least I've got a surname on my answer. It's very yes, true. correct. I've only got a first true. name. Apart from Barry Christ. Barry the Cockney. <laughs> Barry Christ. His name's not Barry Christ. <laughs> um, my F1 career technically began in 1981. However, my car was only good enough to qualify for one race, which I retired through mechanical issues in. I don't think it's Barry the stock car driver. <laughs> <laughs> no, Jerry was a race car driver. Jerry was a race car driver. <laughs> and now everybody started going, what? Yeah. Yeah. I am. Uh, in 1983, I finally started scoring points finish, uh, and finished 14th in the championship. My Italian teammate scored just one point that year. Number seven. The following year, I got number seven. Don't we, get a number, don't we get a number six and a second no, guess? No, I, I did. I did five and six. So what happened to number four? Where are we going? Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, As we say, written by be, a drummer. No, sorry. It was all. Uh, everyone was a big one, and this one was just one little line, so I skipped over it. Uh, <laughs> I won the, the British. The out. I won the British F three. Uh, World Championship in 1978. I'm still thinking Derek Warwick. I have no advance on Derek Warwick. His Italian teammate would probably have been Michele Alboreto in 83. Sounds be about right. Sounds right, yeah. So, are you sticking... I need a guess, don't I? Yeah, shall we, yeah, we, shall we, will we, stick. Shall we stick with, as Statman calls him, Del Boy? Yeah, why not? Yes. The following year, I got on the podium twice. It was my best uh, F1 season. That would be the following year from 1983, by the way. So 1984. Yes. He's not good at anything with falls in tonight, is he? Not really. You're listening to uh, Three Legs Wheels. <laughs> it's, it's, it's another one of those good, dead good ones where I, uh, I, I haven't got my glasses. <laughs> we're counting the song as that. And a one, and a two, and a three, and a go. <laughs> <laughs> um, where, where's the clue gone? This is going really well. I'm, so, I'm back now. I'm back. I can't remember names, and Lee hasn't got any questions. (laughs) They're big clues, unfortunately. I don't like big clues. Uh, I I was on course to win two races in 1989. I lost both both times through no fault of my own. For somebody to be in Formula 1 that long, it could only be Derek Warwick. Yeah. Number nine. Or Nigel Mansell. An F1 driver, uh, I, I was an F1 driver steward for a number of races, including the race where Mark Webber did a backflip. Derek, Derek Warwick, I think, still. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, w- it wouldn't I mean, be Mansell, because I think Mansell had a, a year better than 1984. Yes, he did, yeah. Yes, yes. If we're, if, if we're perfectly honest, the race that he, uh, he was uh, in the steward's room for could have either been Monaco, where Webber did a backflip, or Valencia. Very true. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Or Korea, where he did a sideways backflip after hitting the barrier. 
or the Nürburgring, where Mark Webber also did an actual backflip whilst driving a Mercedes. Uh, my brother was also a racer and was killed dur- uh, during the fifth round of the 1991 British Formula 2 Championship. And that clue goes on for fucking ages, and it's all you're getting. Are you Derek Warwick? I am Derek Warwick. Well done. Fantastic. Well good. done, Paul. <laughs> you smashed that. Yeah, got it first, well early. First clue. In fact, I don't think we've had a total shunt where the first guess has come up, been right, and you've just stuck with yeah. it all the way through with no other guesses. Aside from that, Barry. That's, that's apart the from, first. Apart, apart from Barry Christ. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what? I'm Googling him because I can't remember his name. <laughs> Do you, well, know, think, do you know what? Uh, uh, do you know what? I think that is now the, this week's podcast. Barry Christ. Yeah. <laughs> how, long, <laughs> how long have we been doing total shunts on the podcast for? Um. Oh, hang on. I've got it. I've got it on a Google Doc somewhere. Um. <laughs> I mean, we're talking years, aren't we? Oh God, yeah. I think. I think you've just invented something. I think you've just invented the total shunt grand slam. <laughs> Excellent. There we go. Let's have a look. Where's the? Uh... Where's the shunt list? We started. I mean, obviously, we haven't we haven't done one on every show. No. But the first total shunt was on episode eighty nine, and this is episode two hundred and eighty seven. Wow. So just you got in just under the two hundred mark with the first ever Grand Slam. I've got. I've got. <laughs> but I'm, I'm not the first one to do it. Does Does Sean count? Has he done? No, no, because there was still other guesses. He must have done that before. But if no, because he... you've, you've always talked about it and brought other people up at the same time. This is the first time we've, we've had one person that you've stuck with all the way through without essentially burning two clues. <laughs> yeah, the guy I was thinking of was Barry Lee. Does anybody remember the... Giving force. The what? <laughs> That the, wasn't weird at all. No, you, your cable fell out a bit. We got Barry Lee. Does anybody remember the <laughs> Ing Force? <laughs> the Driving Force TV show, Annika Rice TV show. Oh, no. God, vaguely. I do not. Vaguely. Yeah. Uh, I remember Derek... Annika Rice jumping out of a helicopter now and again, but I don't know why. Yeah. D- uh, that was something. That was a challenge, Annika. We don't talk about that. That was Treasure, um, it was treasure Hunt. Was it? Yes. Anyway. Uh, Derek Bell, Nigel Mansell, Tony Pond, Murray Walker, Rowan Atkinson, and Malcolm McDonald uh, all took part in uh, Driving Force, um, which apparently he was one of the uh, he was one of the presenters for as well. He's been racing for over sixty years. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely a career resurrection goes with the surname. Yeah. <laughs> How she send in a total shunt? You can send me a private message on Twitter or on Instagram, and you can find me by looking for at a total shunt. And like I say, if you uh, you got the email address, threelegsballwheels at gmail.com, you can send in any further reserve list and any questions. Get us on the socials at threelegsballwheels on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And individually on Twitter, we all are at Sean Cowper. Flood 21. And at Pablo 100. Um, usual plug for the Patreon show now, if you haven't already signed up to that, from $1, £1 or €1 Euro a month, you get early access to the show and occasional extra extra shows when uh, when we get the chance to record them. And you can go to patreon.com slash three legs, four wheels. I think that's about it for this week, isn't it? I think so. I think it is. Right, mm. I'm, I'm going to go build a tribute website to Barry Christ. <laughs> 
Well, he has his own website, barrylee.co.uk, and he's not a cockney. He's from Cambridgeshire, apparently. <laughs> Who the fuck is Barry Christ? And <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's this week's title. <laughs> I'm just going to Google Barry Christ and see what happens. I imagine a very confused Google. <laughs> oh, it's, uh, the uh, quick, I'm going to give a quick plug as well for uh, Hot Lap, my so, like solo podcast that I put out on the Monday to try and help people stop having to listen to WTF1, if I'm honest. <laughs> so uh, the if you if you don't fancy wait, well, listening to them and you want to listen to me while you're waiting to listen to us, uh, then look for hot, the Hot Lap F1 show on all the podcast things. The the title for this week with this week's one was the greatest pod, podcast title I've ever thought of until tonight. Um, <laughs> I, I'm I'm going to still keep this to be perfectly honest. Uh, Lewis Paella's on the pressure was a fucking title. Very nice. It was, I like that. It was definitely a title. <laughs> that, that is a good one. Also, if you're, looking, if you're looking for something else to do on a Monday night from two weeks' time, um, it's the new series that my dad wrote a porno. Listen to that. It's really funny. <laughs> uh, right, we'll be back next week. We'll be previewing the parade that is Monaco. But at least there's F2, so we might get to see one or two overtakes next week. There are five people called Barry Christ on LinkedIn. <laughs> right, you've come in with a late bid for this week's this week's title. <laughs> We're sticking with that one. <laughs> we will see you next week. Say say safe. That appears to, that appears to be a thing now. See you later. Bye-bye. Barry bye bye. Barry Christ. <laughs> <laughs>